This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Wrap. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Sex Wrap. You're here with Spring, and I am a professor at CUNY School of Public Health in New York City. And I am Andrew. Uh, I'm I'm the co-creator, the voice behind Spring or Over Spring or Around Spring. I don't know. Ooh. Yeah, that doesn't sound great at all. No, um, <laughs> and I'm a uh, professor of public health here at the University of Miami, uh, and we're happy to be here with you today uh, to talk about all of your questions about sex and relationships. And we have a really great question today that I just want to jump right into. Um, so the actual question that we're talking about today is, what is toxic masculinity? And I think that's a great question because we constantly see people misinterpreting this. But we have a kind of sub-question that has been submitted that is kind of the overarching question for this episode that everything relates to, I think. And that is, why does my boyfriend refuse to cry? Oh my god! I, I mean, so let's see. I can't. Uh, I can't count the number of times in my young life where I was told, "Don't cry. Don't. Don't do this. Act like a man. Man up." Constantly. If you hurt yourself, I had broken bones, and I was told, "Don't cry." So I think that your boyfriend doesn't cry um, because his whole life he's been made to feel terrible if he felt bad or was hurt, um, and he had that response. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just that ever-present message for men, don't do that. Yeah, and it's really sad. That is part of toxic masculinity, and that is what we are here to talk about today. And and I think before we even get started, I think we need to kind of think about what that term means. Often when someone hears the word toxic masculinity, especially men, they feel like they're being attacked. And that's that's not what the word is about at all. Um, Toxic masculinity is actually a term that's used in psychology. So it's a technical sciencey term that's used. um, And it's talking about a whole bunch of different behaviors and attitudes um, that men and women have uh, that have negative outcomes, that have harms that happen uh, to men, to women, and to society. So that's where it's getting. It's talking about how these kind of behaviors hurt people. And that's where the term toxic masculinity comes from. Um, I sometimes think we need to change it so it doesn't kind of turn people off right away. I think that's a really good point because um, I have heard people get, specifically men, get angry when you talk about toxic masculinity because they think it means that we are attacking them because they're men and that everything is a man's fault, basically. That's how it's kind of being interpreted. And so, yeah, I think that let's take a little time to really talk about what does this term mean? And it's a term that's being used to kind of describe this constellation of behaviors and attitudes. And we really want to understand that term so that we all know what we're talking about and we're not assuming that 
there's kind of this um, underlying knowledge about it. Yeah, we absolutely don't want to make anyone feel like there's blame or guilt or shame involved. So we need to step away from all of those kind of issues. And when we think about like, what does it actually mean? It's really just describing traditional male behavior. Like what are, what are all the things that men do? Um, so we can talk about something like men are expected to be dominant, right? Men are told not to cry or not to express emotions unless they're anger. Right. So men are allowed to express anger. And I mean, I want you to be thinking about like, think about men in your life. Overall, they're not really clapping their hands and jumping for joy or squealing or laughing out loud most of the time. Usually they're kind of suppressing all of that down unless it's anger. Um, I don't know. There's lots of other things that kind of go into it. Whenever I think about it, I, I, I think about a little box and then I call it the man box. Which I think it's a funny term anyway. What does that actually mean? Um, and I think about when you're defining masculinity, what are all of the things that are allowed in that box? If someone says, act like a man, right? Like, what do you put in there? Be self-reliant, right? Um, there's all of those funny stories we hear, like men don't ask for directions or men don't ask for help at a grocery store kind of thing. Wait, and that's kind of what we're getting at. Those are stores? all of the- Do little... men do grocery shopping? <laughs> well, men aren't supposed to understand cooking, or but those are all part of- the, the man box too. Um, and I think that like, it's also important to talk about some of the negative sexual parts of what goes in the man box, right? Uh, like men are expected to be sexually dominant and sexually aggressive. And um, they're kind of expected to view women as objects or property, right? They're not really supposed to look at them as a whole person. Um, we talked about this some during our friend zoning episode as well, what this kind of looks so- like. A lot of it is uh, suppressing things that are feminine as well. So kind of characteristics that our society calls feminine and then suppressing those um, and not being able to um, express those parts of themselves. And so everybody, however we identify as man, woman, trans, man or woman, uh, non-binary, whatever, we all have masculine and feminine characteristics within us. And so when we are told by society that we cannot express part of ourselves, it is damaging. Right. Uh, and and it, it, what, I mean, there are a lot of really big negative outcomes we could talk about as well. Um, so whenever you're starting to suppress those parts of yourself, it does damage to yourself. Um, I don't know. I think we should tell some stories about damage to yeah, our, yeah. or can Let's I tell some, some stories? Examples I could of... probably talk to all of you for th- yeah, three yeah. hours about stories for my life. Um, I don't know. I, I remember when I was in elementary school, uh, I watched old yeller. And if you haven't watched old yeller, it's about a kid who falls in love with his dog and then he has to kill it at the end <laughs> of the, it's, traumatic um i and i was a sensitive little kid um and i cried i was in school with my classmates and um, i cried and i got made fun of for crying and then when i went home and told my family what had happened i got yelled at at home i was told to man up or act like a man um so i was expected to suppress all of those emotions um i really wanted to do gymnastics and ballet when i was a little kid too um i still like the ballet and I still like the best summer Olympic sport is obviously gymnastics. I wanted to be one of them. Um, but I was told absolutely not. You need to do manly things. You need to man up. Um, so I was enrolled in baseball, peewee baseball, and I played it all the way up through teener. Um, 
I wasn't bad at it, but uh, I I made it my own too. Like I would pick dandelions <laughs> and make dandelion necklaces. So then baseball was something I enjoyed too. Of course, I got yelled at for that because once again, I was doing things outside of that man box, right? All these other things. I don't know. And there's lots of other times in my life where I've seen this idea of toxic masculinity really hinder people's ability to make meaningful connections. There's a really sad story. Um, My dad at both of his parents' funerals, um, like both of my grandparents died a uh, long time ago now. But um, when he was really upset, instead of him being able to get a hug or talk to someone about it, or like even with my mother, he would leave the room and go hide somewhere else. Um, and when he was there, so all of his emotion, he either either suppressed or hid from everybody else. And if I can't think of a time yeah. where it's more okay for someone to be emotional than saying goodbye to their parent. Yeah, so I just tons of examples throughout my everyday life. And it happens in my my career as well, where I don't act as men are expected to act with great frequency. Like I'm wearing pink today with a pink tie with flowers on it. Like I, I'm acting outside of it. Um, and I actually get pretty significant pushback. Sometimes people don't take me seriously um, as as a professor here at the University of Miami because I don't look the way they think I should, because I don't act yeah. like the man that and they think I should be. So I think that those are great examples of it impacting someone personally, right? And like my examples are more of how it impacts relationships. So I've been in a lot of relationships with men where toxic masculinity is impacting how they think they should act and how they should interact with a partner. And I am then receiving the kind of negative outcomes from this. So I've had partners that didn't feel like it was appropriate to talk through problems because, you know, talking, communicating, like that's something women do. Um, processing emotions, that's something only women do. And so like not being able to talk through problems with a partner, like that ruins the relationship. So I, I, I mean, I would, I would argue that I've actually had several relationships ruined through toxic masculinity. Part of it is that communication thing. Part of it is that ability to express emotion and express empathy for a partner that is going through something and being able to be emotionally available to them in that way. Um, also, this just this idea that uh, being too emotionally available means that you're more serious in a relationship than uh, someone might be ready to be. And I think that that is another example of how masculinity is saying, you know, you can maybe maybe you can express emotions with someone, but only someone you're in a long term relationship with that it is very safe to do so. men typically don't have very many close friends. Um, so once again, if you're listening, just think about your parents or, or other men in your life and think about how many close friends do they have? I don't mean like a friend that you can watch a sports game on television with. I mean, someone, if the, the going gets rough, that they're going to be there for you and be able to help you out. And what we see is because of toxic masculinity, some of those traditional male gender roles is that men often only have one true friend and that's their long-term romantic partner intimate partner if they have one at all and even that relationship is often quite interrupted um we 
if you ask a, a, a room or a class of 100 people, are you closer to your mother or your father? Invariably, the majority, the vast majority of people in that room are going to say they're closer to their mother. So this idea of toxic masculinity is even damaging relationships between partners, spouses, wives, husbands, and children, right? If you think back to who people are closest to. So, I mean, it's damaging all around. Um in those kind of situations. And I'm sorry that you've had relationships end because of it, right? I mean, it's a hard concept for us to talk about. And it is. It's, it's so pervasive. It's so ingrained in our culture that it's hard to tease out. It's hard for us to say this is toxic masculinity sometimes because it seems so normal. It seems like that's how everybody acts around here. So how could it be a problem? You can watch five minutes of cartoons, any cartoon network, any cartoon channel, and you will see lots of examples of toxic masculinity. It's just embedded everywhere. The messages come from every angle and we just assume it's normal, but it doesn't have to be. Um, I don't know. Are there any other big harms that we should talk about? Oh, there's a couple, right? Uh, we could talk about, um, did you know that on average in the United States, men die about five and a half years before women do? Why? Almost that entire difference. It's not caused by biological things. It's caused mostly by some of the outcomes, like risk-taking behaviors. Uh, once again, uh, if you think about parents in your life, um, when was the last time your dad went to the doctor versus when was the last time your mom went to the doctor? Like Women can do self-care, but if men engage in self-care, uh, it, it it threatens masculinity. Um, they might be called a metrosexual if they take showers and take mm-hmm. care. Do, do, like, there's lots of words that we've come up with that start to describe men who aren't inside of that neat and tidy traditional masculine box. Mm. Let's see. Um, men uh, uh, commit suicide at four times the rate women do. Right. So there's some other really big self-harm issues. And then uh, we've talked about rape culture and we've talked about hashtag me too. And we've talked about friend zoning and objectification of women. Um, all of those are also related. Like all of them are little points that you could kind of connect together that all link to this toxic masculinity idea. We, In fact, we would say that masculinity is related to uh, a lot of violence and sexual violence. So those are things you're listing examples of, right? And uh, so we can directly tie, I think, toxic masculinity to these um, to violence because it is this extreme version of toxic masculinity of trying to prove this uh, that I am so masculine that I am this. Ex- this- this man box that we keep talking about, right? Well, but the other side of it is uh, men aren't taught any other kind of coping skill or any other way of dealing with a lot of problems. They're taught that yelling or screaming or fighting over something is the way that you handle an issue. And that might work during a, a football game, but it's not so great whenever you're talking with a romantic partner or you're having conflict over a, a political issue. Um, Fistfights are not typically going to solve most of those issues. Yeah, let's see. Oh, any other big societal? I mean, 
every issue and almost all of the big negative issues that we're seeing as a society today are all linked to this concept. So it hurts men. Um, I think it's really important for us to stress this. I can't stress it enough. Um, toxic masculinity hurts men. It hurts them their whole lives. It prevents them from uh, expressing their feelings, from wearing fuzzy slippers, from enjoying fruity drinks that might be delicious, but they're perceived as feminine. I mean, it cuts them off from a lot of great things too. Um, so it's not an attack on men and we're not attacking men at all in this episode. Men are victims of this just as much as women are victims and society is a victim of this as well. And, uh, so, so yes, we can agree that it's affecting everybody. Um, and one of the things that I think we haven't said, uh, crystal clear yet is that toxic masculinity is also devaluing women and femininity. And so the importance that we're putting here is then on the opposite side, devaluing uh, any feminine kind of um, attributes or uh, cultural type of things we attribute to uh, being a woman. And so that's the flip side of this, where we can look at kind of more ways that it is uh, causing problems in our society. Yeah, right. Like we talked about the little man box. What do you call a man who's not inside of that box or acting according to those roles? And immediately the words that come to mind are almost always just words that describe a woman, right? The worst thing that a man can be is to be feminine. Yeah. So it overvalues this traditional masculinity, violence, anger, and it undervalues traditional or any anything feminine. Mm -hmm. Everything from the color pink to smiling at your friends. Everyone, if you don't know, my hair is pink and Andrew's shirt is often pink as it is right now. <laughs> so we are pinking it up over here. <laughs> um, okay, so what are the things we can do uh, in our lives to uh, act against toxic masculinity, to reduce it, to detox from it? I, I think that's a great question. And I think there's a mil because it's so prevalent and it means that there's a million little things that we can do to start to address it. Um, so I think some of the big ways that we can start addressing it um, involve a lot of the negative outcomes that happen with women. We've talked about some when we talked about consent, when we talked about hashtag me too, all of that is part of this process. Believing women, um, supporting women, listening to women when they say that they've been victims of sexual assault or sexual abuse or sexual harassment. Um, those are some of the, the big starting points. But then I think there's a lot of other things that we can do. Um, I uh, combat it all of the time in my day-to-day -day life, uh, mostly by having conversations with men, especially men who I see in, who are engaging in uh, something that I think is pretty toxic, uh, something like catcalling. Um, if I see someone on my campus uh, catcall, I make a beeline for them and I have a conversation. And I, I mean, I explain to them like, hey, do you understand what you're doing? You're making women feel threatened. You're making them feel unsafe. You're treating them like an object instead of as a whole person. And that's going to get in the way of what our purpose is here at a university. We're supposed to be learning. But I think that expands out into women's everyday life as well. If you feel unsafe or uncomfortable, you're not going to be fully able to do all of the other things that you want to do in society. So I think um, having those kind of conversations when it's appropriate with men. Now, I'm not telling women, if you feel unsafe, when a man has called you, do not go up to him and tell him to stop if you feel unsafe. Only do it if you are safe and confident in your safety. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's a great example. I... I get catcalled a lot and I very rarely feel 
comfortable enough to actually say anything back. Um, and I, I would say maybe one time out of uh, 25 or so, I feel comfortable enough to actually say something to someone. Um, and that's often if I'm with other people. So I would, I would say that is a great idea. And I would encourage other people around uh, to do that for other people. So when you see that happen to someone, uh, that's a great time to step in and say something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see some other things that I think that we can do is we can try to get rid of some of those um, negative, like kind of gendered insults that are thrown around, at, especially at young boys, like don't be a sissy, act like a man. Those kind of phrases are, are pretty damaging for the men and really perpetuate it. I really like thinking like, what are things that we can do with kids now so that in 10 to 15 years, this problem starts getting better. Um, and I think if we tell young boys that they're allowed to have emotions, that they can have real friends, that, that it's okay for them to cry or be happy. Um, I think that's one of the things that we can do. So if you have um, little kids around you in your life, just letting little boys know that they can have those feelings and it's totally okay. They can be nurturing. They can like pink. All of those are totally okay. Yeah, More than and, okay. They're great. Yeah. And allowing kids to play with toys that are traditionally considered for another gender or allowing them to dress uh, as how they want and colors they want, but also uh, in frilly things or whatever feels like they want to wear or dressing up as a, um, as a woman, like a young boy dressing up as a woman hero for Halloween or something. Um, there's lots of examples like that. I always wanted an easy bake oven growing up. For me as a kid, it looked like the coolest toy ever. Do you think I got one? I mean, I never got one either. I also wanted one. So maybe they were just expensive. <laughs> well, well, I was told I couldn't have one because it was a girl's toy. So much later in life, I bought one for my partner and we used it to bake a cookie, which was terrible. And it took about an hour. So, But I am sure that my little eight-year-old self would have been the, like, the most thrilled cookie chef in the world if I could have made a disgusting little doughy cookie and eaten it. <laughs> um, let's see, some other things that we can do. Uh, whenever someone says something like boys will be boys, we have to kind of start trying to get rid of that sort of language because that's essentially saying that men don't have to be responsible for their actions. That goes back to men inside of that box. They're aggressive, they're dominant, they can't control their sexual urges. Um, now we have to say that boys will be good human beings or boys will be good people. I think it's a much better phrase. Or maybe get rid of the boys will be like, everybody will be good human beings. Start to use inclusive language that brings everybody up to the same societal level expectation of being a good person. Yeah, and I mean, I've um, heard people say things like, you know, they, um, they can't control themselves. Like I've heard uh, male partners say that, like, oh, well, you know, I just can't control myself when I'm around you. And... I have directly talked back to them in those moments and say, well, actually, I believe in you and I believe that you are a capable adult male and that you have full capability over your emotions and wants and needs. And and like, I think that that's important to do within your relationships. And I think that that's a place where uh, we can have 
impact as well, um, where I, you know, I feel safe in those instances saying things to someone I'm in a relationship with. Um, and I also do feel like I can have real conversations with them and maybe shift uh, some of the ways they're thinking about things, specifically some of the um, words they're using, because I think that a lot of the times people I'm dating don't mean some of those things that they're saying, but they're things they've heard over and over. And so they will repeat that back. And that's problematic because it keeps that going in our society, right? But if they stop to think about what they actually mean and what they're saying and what they're kind of putting out into the world, then we can start to shift that. Well, right. And until we have those conversations, people don't think about it because the pre the messages are everywhere. Once again, we're not blaming men at all. Men are born into a system that forces them um, into this. I mean, forces them into that kind of thought process that those words are OK things to say. Um, and there are a million other things that you can do. Um, things like not spending your money uh whenever there's an artist or a producer who is doing things that support toxic masculinity, or, or if you're old enough to vote, looking into what candidates say about treatment of men and women or traditional gender roles. I don't know. I could go on and on and on and on. Um, I think it's also important to say that uh, when you start addressing these issues, you will probably feel uncomfortable and the people around you will probably feel uncomfortable too. Um, your friends and coworkers might roll their eyes at you. You might get laughed at. You might be threatened. Because um, all of this is really a part of a larger conversation that we need to be having about the health and safety of people, right? And it's important to start having these conversations. And I really love what Spring said about she's able to have these really nice, effective conversations with people who are close to her, where she's already built some level of intimacy. And I think that's a great starting point, too, especially if you can get that person to start talking to their friends um, as well calling out friends when they're having those conversations. Yeah. But if it was easy, right, if, if this was an easy thing, we'd already all be doing it already. So, I mean, it's a kind of hard conversation to have, but it's an important one. And remember, you can just start with something really small, um, something small in your own life, a conversation with your friend or family member. I mean, that's how all of these big social movements happen. They start with something small, um, a few hashtags <laughs> on Instagram can blow up into millions. So I think that leads us really nicely to our period. So today in our period, we want to have you all tell us um, what you can do. So we want to encourage you to do some of these things in your own life, but we also would like to hear back from you about uh, what are some things that you think you can change. Yeah, because small actions times lots of people equals big change. Mm. So, so, oh, we're both oh, asking each other. Oh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> uh, so, so what are you going to do, Spring? Um, so I posted an article about toxic masculinity on Facebook. I know, I know, big mistake. Uh, and I had a lot of friends commenting on it, um, saying some of the things that we talked about here today about, um, you know, feeling very blamed and, you know, feeling like uh, these are men feeling attacked, I think. Uh, and in their responses to the in the comment section, um, I felt really hurt personally, because I felt like they 
weren't taking the time to understand the problem that toxic masculinity really is. And, um, and I, I just let it go after a couple of comments <laughs> and, and I, I kind of gave up because I felt like, well, I'm not going to change their mind. I'm not, I'm not going to shift this. I'm done. And, uh, and I've been feeling bad about that for the past several weeks, actually, because I, I wanted to engage more, but it felt um, too hard. And so I'm going to go back to those couple of people that are my friends uh, and engage with them more. And just in general, I'm going to continue to try to engage with people on this topic and uh, talk with them about their opinions and, you know, try to um, see if we can find more common ground among people uh, agreeing. And I mean, I, I'm saying that I'm right here, but getting more people to agree with me that toxic masculinity is a problem. <laughs> so, I mean, and that that's very similar to what my plan is uh, from this point forward is to really help men, um, like give men a space where they can actually talk about emotions or suppression of emotions or talk about times in their life where they didn't get to do the thing that they, because I think that if you could help men open up a little bit more, give them a little bit of safer space to have that conversation, I think we would move much, I mean, I don't, I, I think we'd move lightning quick, not really lightning quick, but we would move at a faster pace and actually starting to address um, a lot of the issues um, around it. And I responded to Spring's post on Facebook, by the way, everybody. You can't see it, but I posted a. You, yeah. You supported I, me. I did. Well, I mean, because the men in the post, right back when the, to we were beginning, felt like they were being attacked, um, and I, I had to go in there. Wait, hold on. This word is not attacking you. Like you are not being attacked. Not not being attacked whatsoever. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting others. You're hurting society, and not you even, but the expectations of you as a man. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anything else? Are we good today, everybody? We're so good. Um, I mean, I feel I feel sad. I feel sad talking about this, but uh, hopeful for everybody listening this to go make some changes. Yeah, me too. I'm happy. I'm I'm happily hopeful. Is that a, is that a way to put it? Yeah. Uh, okay. So if you have any questions, well, actually, uh, if you take an action and you want to let us know what it is, feel free to message us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or our email. Um, we'd love to see what you have to say. Um, and if you have any other questions about health and sex or relationships or anything else in that like body image, uh, just, just let us know and you can get us, uh, you can find us um, an email. So our email is thesexwrap at gmail.com. That's wrap with a W. Um, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at thesexwrap. Um, you can call us at 413-I-RAP-IT. Um, no, 413-RAP, what is it? I wrap it, yeah. Yeah, I wrap it. Sorry. 413-I-RAP-IT. Um, but feel free to contact us about any of this. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Bye. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or just too af- 
Music for this episode provided by the ever-elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. The Podglomerate. A sonic